0: Infrastructure is crumbling, and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. My name is Chad Smeltzer. I am your host. Today's guest is Stephen Hernandez, who is with the uh, Harupa Community Services District. Is that right, Stephen? Did I say it right? Yeah,
1: you, you nailed it, man. Thank you.
0: Whew, man. <laughs> I, these, these names are sometimes rough. I, I appreciate you joining me, man.
1: Yeah, of course, man. I think Thanks for the invite. I know we, we spoke a couple times and... and uh, Glad to be here. I know we had to change some schedules around, but uh, we made
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, we did. We did. Now, you're the utility superintendent, correct?
1: Correct. Uh, Overseeing water distribution and uh, wastewater collections.
0: Nice. And you have previous experience with other cities. It looks like uh, 12 years. at. uh, I didn't get to see. What what city were you at for 12 years? Uh,
1: Yeah. Uh, So prior to that, I was so We want to start chronologically. We'll start at the beginning and work my way to where I'm at. Let's
0: do that. That sounds
1: good. (laughs) Yeah, so I started in the industry when I was 20 years old. I had a couple of uncles that pulled some nepotism for me at the city of Pomona. Uh, Got me in over there and spent five years uh, on the front line uh, pulling well pumps out of the ground, uh, doing reservoir maintenance, uh, doing pipeline maintenance, and um, (laughs) kind of moved my way up through the organization, through, uh, you know, college courses and state exams. So we have to be um, certified as an operator uh, to work in drinking water systems. So um, so did that and moved over to treatment. And we had some groundwater issues that we we're challenged with. So um, got to get some cool experience in the water treatment side of things. Um, after the five years there, went to Three Valleys Municipal Water District, which was a 25 million gallon a day uh, conventional surface water treatment plant. Um, working around the clock, different shifts each week uh, for, oh. for three years. Yeah, it was a week of swing, week of days, week of grave, week of days. And then the fourth weekend, you did a 48 hour shift and you, you slept at the plant. You um, we were the only person there for the two days. But that covered the fifth week. So uh, every fifth yeah. week, you had a week off. So it um, wasn't too bad. But, um, but yeah, so after, the, after that, um, my eldest son was going through asthma. And, um, they said that the, just the air quality was just not a good fit for him. And so it was American Lung Association, Clean Air Counties, um, Santa Cruz County came up, which was six hours North, um, along the uh, central coast, California coast. And, um, a month and a half later, um, I moved, uh, moved the family up there, got a job up there as a, uh, water operations supervisor for the city of Watsonville. And, uh, yeah, spent 12 years there, um, Went through some personal setbacks, a divorce a few years after that, and so um, so yeah, so I kind of had to dig a little deeper into my career because that was the the good thing that was going for me in my life, and um, yeah. started a pipeline uh, program, replacement program there. Did a uh, two miles per year for it was a disadvantaged uh, community, and um, mm-hmm. we just did that with with our own city staff and uh, turned those pipeline uh, projects into re- re- uh, road. Re- Rehabilitation programs as well, and so once we would replace the pipelines, we would also uh, rehab the streets, repave them, and everything, uh, which yeah. was really cool. Um, was there twelve years, um, and then relocating down to Southern California to be closer to my sons again uh, was wow. uh, was the goal, and I did that uh, two years ago. Um, got a job at Harupa Community Services District uh, as a utility superintendent, so been there two years now. So, a lot of a oh, lot of yeah. details, <laughs> uh, but that's the uh, that's the short story.
0: That, 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 that's a history yeah. for sure. Yeah, man. A, you know, it's, it's a great history of your experiences in the industry and and, and what you, you've learned a lot since you started in twenty years of age. That's a, that's amazing. I, per- personally I and a professionally, a of, <laughs> yeah, I got to beat a little bit at fifteen but, uh, <laughs> when I started in, in summertime help. But uh, yep. yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's a great career. Uh, did you start too when you were young?
1: Yeah, I was actually a, a summer hire for Las Vegas Valley Water District. That's where I grew up in Vegas. Okay. I, was, I did that at six bucks an hour back in like 99, 98, something like that.
0: So, yeah. uh, so that's yeah. when I got my exactly. first taste
1: yeah. of the water industry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I was painting <laughs> curbs and stuff like that. I tell people yeah. this all the time in all the episodes. I was like, I, this job's terrible. So I never wanted to go back to public works <laughs> again. Right. ended up getting back in sewers later, but uh, that's a whole different story. But, man, I, I had no ambition to get it back in the sewer or infrastructure nothing like that. And here I am doing infrastructure podcast. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's easier to talk
1: way. about it than to be out there in the front line. <laughs> It's
0: true. <laughs> you don't want to be in a sludge tank, uh, pushing yeah. sludge, digging holes, knock down in manholes in grease traps, things like that. The grossest jobs possible out there. It's yeah, right. not, not <laughs> something I have to do anymore but uh you and i could talk about it because we've moved our way up and we've learned a lot and now we're in managing positions which is uh, where you Um, want to be how
1: did you how did you get into it was your was your father in in the trades or did you have someone in the trades that was kind of pointing you in that direction
0: yeah my dad he was at a a small town in pennsylvania he ran a water wastewater treatment plant okay so summertime help obviously age 15 they were like yep come help us mow the lawns paint the curbs uh Drive around, and pick up debris, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, how cool it how was.
0: Cool. Yeah, it yeah. was a, a yeah. good experience back then. I was like, yeah, yeah. I like mowing. That was it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I right. can just get on the mower and the grass. That's easy. Painting curbs. That. What's that? So
1: it sounds like they have very similar upbringing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. but here we are. So, yeah. what was one of the one of the biggest challenges you faced? Um, in your
1: career so far, um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything.
0: Okay, <laughs> um, it just
1: <laughs> It's just uh, constantly learning um, has been challenging. Every time you think that you've 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 got it down, and um, you know you've got people down, or you've got budget stuff down, or uh, the technologies that support us doing our jobs down, like something changes or it shifts or it advances um, faster than your agency can keep up with, um, or just your you know, workforce. Um, people are there's different mentalities. Twenty two years after I started, you know, um, I, yeah. I started in the industry, and you you were paid to work and not to think, and that was what they said, you know um yeah. and now it's um I have someone that's put in their two weeks notice because we work too hard and wants to go somewhere wow. laterally to make the same amount of money and work less ultimately um wow it's just like I've never heard of that before um right I think the pandemic maybe put some things into perspective and family and life and what people value uh, a little yeah. differently than what it was in the past but I mean, for people to say like, "I want to work less, hard," like same amount of hours, but they just they in the same field, same stuff. It's just they, they don't want to work as hard. Yeah, uh, it's just it's crazy. So uh, I think that's been the biggest challenge is just that just trying to keep up with everything and how it's evolving,
0: mm-hmm. on all
1: aspects. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think with the labor shortages right now, paying. Pay rates increasing on the private sector, right? And everything inflation is driving that quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, private sector we got to pay higher wages to offset some of the inflation. You know, it's driving the industry where employees who just have the you know the ability to go wherever they want. I mean, we do. Right. We you can pick and choose kind of where you want to go, and yeah. uh, the the highest pay rate is what you, you know what you're going to go after. Um, right. And then you know if it's an easier job, even better, right? So it's a it's a no brainer. It's just a real competitive market
1: right now. It, it really is. Um, especially with like uh, the water industry getting your state certification or any kind of educational credentials, um, all these different opportunities start to open up and, and here in California too, the higher certifications you get, um, an employer can reach out to the state and get a list of all the operators that have a certain level of certification and then they can throw out like the recruitment flyers and stuff like that. So um So, yeah, people are, you know, there's signing bonuses for, you know, some of these operator jobs. And it's just some crazy stuff you see these days that, um, again, before it was just like you had to go knock on doors or just, you know, turn turn in applications. And it was just different. Yeah, Yeah, it's just different.
0: That's what everyone's saying. Uh, All the public works directors, all the superintendents I interview, it's like, man, we can't even get applicants. You know, we didn't get five or ten. We used to get 30, 40, 50, 100. Yeah. Now we get nothing. Nobody hardly uh, wanting to do public work. What is the hourly rate in California for an operator? Just curious.
1: Um, So entry level uh, person that comes in um, that is working in the distribution side or collection side at our organization, um, they're going to start off at about twenty six dollars an hour. And then there will be, they will be expected in the first 12 months to get their grade one water distribution certification, their collections certification, and commercial driver's license or class A commercial driver's license uh, within 12 months. But we, we give all the training wow. to them. Um, we do all that stuff in-house. Uh, I do a lot of the training for our staff. So it's like... What's that? Steven, do
0: you, yeah. do you realize what you just said? And, and I'm, I'm not... It's amazing to me that we haven't figured this out. Twenty eight dollars, right? Okay. Yeah. You have twelve months to 26, get all
1: these What's that? Twenty-six
0: bucks an hour. Twenty-six. Twenty-six dollars. Okay, listen to this. Let's do this. Let's do the math quick. So
1: yeah.
0: twenty six dollars. I have to get my CDL, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I have to get my water service operator license, right? Mm-hmm. Sewer and 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 have all the responsibility. Are you putting me in the hole digging digging trenches, mm-hmm. like fixing Yep. I'm doing all that too?
1: You're doing okay. all that stuff.
0: Yeah. You, McDonald's is paying fifteen dollars an hour right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I know. That, yeah, there's is, there's, right? some, there's some places fast food making close to twenty bucks. Yeah,
0: that's nuts. Like it is all that responsibility. No wonder we can't put anybody in public works well, uh, right I, now.
1: You know, I think um, I think that's that shift will change, and the reason why I say that is because. Everyone's going to these jobs that are more technological or less labor um, while our infrastructure is cons- consistently failing, right. Every second goes by yeah. you know, infrastructure's failing. Um, so we're losing all these craftsmen. there's, no, there's nothing in, there's no, nothing in the trades or in, in our high school. Um, like when I was you know going to high school, there was auto shop in and, and wood shop, wood shop or metal yeah. shop and stuff like that. Right. Um, those things are all gone. And I just think that there will be a shift where it's just like, hey, we do need these craftsmen or we do need these blue-collar uh, workers to come back to the trades and we're going to have to pay them. Um, yeah. There's, there's no other way. Um, nope. So I, I think there will be a shift and I think we will see it in our lifetime where the the, the people that are out there laying pipes or fixing sewers or just making everything flow, um, they will be recognized as a more valuable Um, position, you know, I think, and that's just, that's what we see in our organization. And I can say this because I've held every field position in the water industry. Um, I don't have any degrees of what, of, of any kind. Um, Yet I, I can, I feel that like the treatment side of things, the more uh, technical side of things uh, is more valued and there's an easy 30% increase in the salaries um, 30 to 40 percent uh, increase in the salaries just for entry-level positions from treatment to uh, someone that's being out in the field fixing water mains. Yet that person is throwing their life on the line. They're in the middle of traffic. They're working with their back right. their entire career. Uh, my dad was a laborer for many years um, and then a heavy equipment operator in the second half of his career. Uh, just had back surgery after retirement, um, You know, arthritis and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yet if you worked at a treatment plant from 20 years old to 60 years old, you're going to be in decent shape. You know, Um, I I just, I've always felt that the, um, the construction, the maintenance side of things is so undervalued um, in all trades. So if you
0: look at, if you look at private sector, you know, um, construction guys that are skilled labor on that side, -hmm. they're making 50, 60, 70 bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, union rates typically here in Chicago, especially are making higher than that. I mean, mm-hmm. our union rates are 88 bucks an hour or something like that, 90 bucks an hour here mm-hmm. uh, around mm-hmm. Chicago. It's, it's That's pretty crazy. high. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you look at that and I can see where public works, it's just not attractive, right? I mean, you yeah. can go for, for private sector construction, I'll be digging a hole and make 40, 50 bucks an hour, mm-hmm. you know, where we're making twenty six bucks an hour in the public works side. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, big big challenges ahead for everybody there in yeah in the private or public sector I should say, for sure. <laughs> right. Wow. That's,
1: yeah, everyone's gotta have a side hustle these days.
0: <laughs> just yeah, to get you some, do. well yeah. And we're gonna talk about your uh your education program uh in a bit, but yeah. so with it, one thing what things have you learned how to deal with your leadership, right? In bringing your problems uh, that you deal with to light and trying to get uh, buy-in from your leadership in the cities uh, you know, that you've worked with or currently work with, how have you been able to drive that um, initiative to get the funding you need?
1: Um, it's all about telling the story, right? Um, yeah. I think it's, it's a matter of data, if you don't have the data to support um, what things cost or how much it's going to cost to replace or what our industry trends are, standards if we're replacing, you know, one to 2% of uh, our, our pipeline in our systems on an annual basis, um, what is that going to cost? Um, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, if, if pipelines are supposed to last 100 years and we have 100 miles of pipe, we should be replacing one to two miles per year. Um, but if pipelines aren't lasting 100 years and it's more like 70 years and um, we don't have 100 miles, we have 450 miles of water and um, 400 miles of sewer, uh, we should be replacing somewhere between 16 and 18 miles per year. Um, Are we doing that? And we're not doing that. So it's like, okay, so what is it going to take? Well, we do a pipeline assessment on our water side and our sewer side. Um, We prioritize the areas based on uh, the likelihood of failure, or age, or if it's asbestos as concrete, or whatever it is that you know, we kind of we need to get rid of first, um, and then we budget for all that stuff accordingly. Yeah. Um, which is something that we're doing currently right now. Uh, we're wrapping up a, a, a sewer assessment project that we just did, so we cleaned and inspected uh, every inch of our sewer lines, and um, mm-hmm. and so we're going to get a wrap sheet of all the deficiencies in the system. And then right. we'll be able to prioritize and budget accordingly. Um, so that's that's exciting to see um, on the sewer side and on the water side. We've um, we've only we haven't done a, a sewer ass, I'm sorry a, a water ass pipeline assessment yet, but we have done a created a matrix, um, and the matrix is based on age of pipe, style of pipe, importance to the system, uh, uh, main breaks or failures we've had in the last twenty years, and then layered that onto our GIS. Um, and so then we can just say basically like, Hey, these are the top 20, uh, miles of pipe that we need to go after in the next, you know, five mm-hmm. years, whatever it is. So, um, it's all about data can't make, you know, good decisions and, uh, you right. can make you know short-term or long-term decisions if you don't have data. So
0: that's a great, uh, great point data. Uh, most cities still don't have asset management systems. No, no. It's amazing to me. Uh, literally, yeah. I, I, I'm going to assume or guess that 60% of the municipalities throughout America probably do not have asset management systems. I think I looked at Cartograph. Cartograph's one of the bigger asset management systems, and they have yeah. about 17 cities using Cartograph.
1: Yeah.
0: 17, there's like, I don't know, 14,876 wastewater treatment plants out there. Right. I don't even know what the water distribution systems are and stuff, but yeah. That there's a lot that's like 1700 right i'm thinking to myself well yeah. a lot of the market
1: for asset yeah. management data. um it it's um i do classes all over like you said we'll talk about it i i, I work with a lot of different agencies and, and in some of the classes i'll have multiple agencies in there like you know 20 different agencies will be represented in the 40 50 people that would be in a class and um it's surprising to know that there's not like pipeline replacement projects there's not you know they're we're, we're just putting band-aids on everything um right and it's not there. the boom is coming right they're talking they're they're making publications about you know the boom the infrastructure boom and what that is is just basically the the failure rate that's it's you know it's constantly okay. speeding up and if i'm gonna you know, you're working for the surrounding or the next, the neighboring agency, and we're using the same contractors uh, to replace our pipelines. Well, again, you know, 50 years from now, all our our pipe that's 50 years old now is going to be 100 years old, and the and the failure rates are going to go through the roof. We're gonna, we're all going to be calling the same contractors, and right. so that's why I'm I'm very very passionate about doing your own pipeline projects internally in house. You'll never get away from the contractors um, because they're just—you'll always need that extra support. But if we can work on pipelines that are maybe up to 12 inches in diameter and maybe less than, you know, 10 feet deep, um, that's the bulk of it. That's like 80% of your distribution system, at least on the West yeah. Coast. You know, on the East Coast, you guys bury your pipes a lot deeper than that. But, um, right. but yeah, I just think that you can work on the bread and butter of your system in re- in regards to replacement. And then still use your contractors.
0: Um, yeah. So, what do you think about privatization of utilities?
1: Prioritization?
0: Pri- Privatizing. Um, Basically, having oh, a private sector. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I just know, got a question like, that, so I'm just curious. They're like, privatize it. I'm like, okay, well, that takes uh, away the. And, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I good. guess. If you cut off utilities, right, that's a revenue source for the city, right? The water revenue coming in, sewer revenue coming in. It's supposed to go go back to repairing the infrastructure, right? That's why we have rate studies.
1: Correct.
0: If you take that away from the city and privatize it, that revenue stream is gone. How are you going to get bonds? I don't know. It's kind of a loaded question, Steve. I just was...
1: Yeah, (laughs) fire and library have to figure it out you know, uh,
0: <laughs> right,
1: parks, yeah. and recs, parks and recs, you know, they're all uh, general funds, you know, when you have an enterprise fund like water and sewer and, and garbage, uh, man, it's, yeah. um, that's what carries the city, you know, in a lot of ways. Right. So. You, you, you
0: privatize it, like you sell it, you sell your tu- utilities to a private organization and you give away that revenue. I guess there might be revenue sharing there. I'm not too sure or understand it, but. I, I'm just thinking to myself, well, you just gave away your revenue source. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe you can't get things bonded. I
1: don't know. Yeah. I, so, so with Harupa, Harupa's pretty cool. Cause um, history uh, historically um, Harupa Valley is comprised of a bunch of different water, uh, the water systems. And over the years we've, just kind of started consuming them. Um, JCSD was uh, formed in 1955 as a sewer uh, sewer district. And then 10 years later, they started do, uh, doing water as well. Um, all the while they're just kind of consuming more land and more little uh, communities have their own well sites and pipelines and stuff like that. And then I wanna say, I always get the dates wrong, but it's about 15, 20 years ago, um, uh, city of Eastvale was was created, and it's about the same size as all of Harupa Valley, in and in a smaller uh, uh, land base. So we have about 44 yeah. square miles of uh, of service area, service about 130,000 people um, through about 35,000 service connections. And Harupa Valley is is old. <laughs> we we have probably every style of pipe that you can think of. Okay. um on the infrastructure side and then on Eastvale side we have um you know they are uh, what do you call it um same model style homes where you know everything's engineered got you know same kind of kind of mainline and sewer uh, sewer systems throughout um and it's more modern right uh, more of our yeah. time is spent maintaining Eastvale the newer side with uh failing uh, poly services believe it or not um wow. we spend we we have about 350 service leaks water service leaks a year um and i'd say about 80% of them are on the Eastvale side the newer side of town and so um yeah <laughs> um,
0: that,
1: that's, that's our system <laughs>
0: 330 so i mean that's what you know about I mean, there's a yeah. lot of leaks probably that don't yeah. out
1: of it. And, and, and the city of Eastvale wants to do a, uh, a, a paving master plan. So in the next five years, they're going to repave all of the streets, right? And so after that, each of the streets, all the streets are going to be moratorium streets. And so for us to pave, to repave like a patch, right, a four by six patch uh, for a service leak, um, yeah. we're going to have to uh, use some Rubberized emulsive emulsive uh, uh, paving uh, material, and now that patch is like a six thousand dollar patch uh, for the on the paving side, and then our job um, wow. only costs us about eleven $1, hundred and fifty bucks to run a new service. You know, so That's we're crazy. looking at it. we're looking at staying ahead of that uh, project that they have and replacing well, up to twelve
0: thousand. No, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. Go it, it's, it's all good. Uh, good. Everything was working great for twenty some minutes. We'll get another twenty minutes out of it, hopefully. So, okay. you were saying um, about the paving and a six thousand dollar asphalt repair before it dropped. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, city of Eastvale is doing a repaving of all their streets, and we want to stay ahead of them because of the paving costs uh, are just extremely high and turns our you know twelve hundred dollar. Um, Service line replacement project into a road replacement project, and, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, so we're looking at replacing uh, close to ten to twelve thousand services in the next five years just to save a, you know a huge cost and on the paving side. So, right. that's where a lot of our attention is going. Uh, we just purchased material for twenty five hundred services, um, which got approved by the board, and so we had to you know tell the board like, hey, this is what we have. This is what the city's got going on. Um, and we want to stay ahead of them. We're probably going to use contractors for these twenty five hundred services. So
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah. So that's one of our big challenges right now. now. You
0: were talking about a, a patch that
1: was six grand, though. What was that? <laughs> so yeah, so it's a, a slurry seal. So you, you do your base pave, and then on top of that, you you grind an overlay, and so it's just and then it's just a slurry seal. But uh, the city has a um, a specification for a rubberized emulsion uh, slurry. Um, There's like only one manufacturer of this emulsion and uh, only a few contractors that can do it. And um, it's like 200 feet in both directions uh, outside of the patch from uh, curb to curb. And so all of a sudden it's $6,000 for paving, you know, or (laughs) something like that. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, it's just not a normal four by six patch. It's you know it's kind of resurfacing yeah. the street, you know. But yeah. uh, now, if you do that, and then two weeks later we get another leak in the same street, now you're you're re-slurring the same street multiple times, you know. Um, and that's just not that's not feasible. So.
0: So a lot of a lot of the capital projects here, I know in the Midwest, is they'll they'll look to replace a street, right? And then they'll, mm-hmm. they'll look at all the on utilities first, mm-hmm. and then decide uh, on what to replace or repair, you know, underneath it before they obviously fix the road. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, uh, right? Right. Is, is that what you guys do too, or no?
1: Yeah, we you know definitely want to don't want to have to pave the street more than we have to. So we're looking at um, some of our sewer replacement projects. We're also looking at the water, or vice versa, and uh, yeah. if we can tie those projects in one time, then we're only disrupting the customers or residents in that area one time. Um, only having to pave it one time as well, so um, it helps. It. Uh, but that's you know that's a huge that's a huge project too. Is having to replace the water and sewer at the same time um, or one after the other. It's um, a lot of right. planning and engineering goes into that. So um, and then the cost you got to have cost for yeah. both, right? Right. I've seen the specs come out where they're like uh,
0: road reconstruction paving. Yeah. Replacement of manholes, replacement of sewer, replacement of water, and they put it all together in one big spec, and, yeah. and that becomes an interesting bid opportunity because then the GCs have got to organize all their subs, and then you know right. I, I always wondered why we just didn't separate out you know each item right? You're gonna put a sewer pipes, and, you know, if you're gonna do road reconstruction, dig it up and replace it, right? You know yeah. you're going to replace all the sewer pipe, just put out a spec for a sewer replacement, like sewer pipe replacement, just yeah. water replacement, uh, you know, whatever, like right. I, they try and bundle it all together in, in hopes to get a cheaper price, I think, and that's not how it works at all. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean, if, if the city acted as the GC, um, I think it would probably save a lot of money, you know? Um, yeah,
0: you, if you organized it enough, your, your engineer ran it as they would the GC, and they said, okay, well, we want to replace the sewer, water, manholes. We want to, you know, curbs, inlets, whatever, right? Yeah. All that yeah. is itemized. You can just right. itemize that. It's just about organizing it, right? And, and yeah. having the right people put in the right infrastructure first, and then whatever's last, which is the road. Right. The road at the surface, right? So I don't know. Right? It, it's interesting. Yeah. The cities don't do so. that. They don't do that. I think...
1: Man, I don't know. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I just think some leaders don't, don't understand. Don't or they were just never taught that way. We were we were always taught to build, 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 right? No one's yeah. talked about you know maintaining or replacing. But, yeah. but like I said, it's just it's it's kind of common sense. If everything's failing and the material is not meant to last as long as, or it's not lasting as long as we planned it to be, then it's time to replace. And we need to change some of our priorities. Like real well, quick. I think
0: I think you're. This is a good segue to Waterwise Pro. I think uh, you t- We're talking about education, right? An application right. of and, and and learning how to be an operator uh, in the water sewer space, and then also contractors have an obligation to learn how to apply. Yeah. We're talking about life cycle of infrastructure, right? There's there's standardization of testing to be an applicator. ATS, what is it? AT What's the standardization? Americans, ATS shit. I can't think of it. Yeah,
1: ATSM. Yeah, ATSM.
0: ATSM. Yeah. ATS, yeah. So I know someone's going to give me crap for that one, but anyway. Uh, so the standardization, but you have applicators who get low bid, right? They come into the city, they apply a, they call, they call up someone, an epoxy company, right? They're like, mm. hey, we just won this low bid. We're going to come in and apply it. That epoxy company gives them the. Applicator license, right? They're like, "Oh yeah, you're you're now an applicator." You know, some of that happens. And how do they even know how to apply it? Like the the epoxy company is just like throwing out a license. Go ahead, you're a certified applicator now. We just want the sale of the materials. We do not care. We just want to get their product in that city. And then you got this contract go out doesn't prep it right, sprays the epoxy, it falls off the wall in a year and a half. Done. Now you just spent two hundred dollars a vertical foot on nothing. Yeah. No you know, PPE. That's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the kind of stuff that happens, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's really crazy. It's true. But you, you, we're talking about, like, education yeah. uh, for operators, which is uh, what you're doing, and you've taken a passion to that. Obviously, you, you started WaterWise Pro. So, us more about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, like I told you, I went through some uh, personal setbacks and uh, needed to kind of bounce back uh, mentally, financially, <laughs> emotionally. Um, so, you know, I, in, in my position, I didn't want to go any higher and feel like public works director or any kind of director position was the path I wanted to go down. Um, plus, um, it just, yeah, just, I just, I was happy with the, the level of, um, position I had. Um, right. so I was just like, well, okay, well I'll maybe I'll start teaching classes. Um, and uh, in a few years, and I'll kind of get out of this rut that I'm in, and um, and so I just took to Instagram. I figured um, everyone's on social media these days, and by blogging about water stuff and picking different topics, I think the first topic I did was I want to say it was January 29th, two thousand and sixteen. So we're coming up on seven years now of uh, Waterwise Pro stuff, and uh, it was on in Michigan. Uh, that was the topic that I that I had wrote about in the first one, but uh, just start blogging about this um, water game and typical questions you'd see on state exams. And then I thought, again, that uh, within you know a couple of years, I'd freshen up uh, my skills and public speaking was not my thing. Um, I'm like one or two classes away from a two year degree and uh, public speaking was my kryptonite. I actually signed up for an online class and withdrew from the class because I was so scared to take the class um and so i was like well maybe i'll do some videos uh on instagram and just kind of muster the courage to to do um classes well within two and a half months of blogging on instagram um i got offered to do a class for a city down in southern california and it was an eight hour um water treatment exam prep course and i just thought that was my shot so uh, i hustled up put you know powerpoints together and and uh put some study guides together and um figured out what it was going to take to get certified by the state or approved by the state to give like continued continued education hours so that's the thing once you get your state certification then you need to keep um keep them renewed with their continued education hours and so uh the first class was uh Pardon me, but it was a shit show. Um, I, I fell in love with it, you know. A lot of people kind of gave me some, you know, encouraging words to kind of keep going with it and stuff. And um, and yeah, and fast forward to six and a half years later, uh, trained over sixty four hundred operators um, mainly throughout California. Um, done a lot of work for Denver Water. Um, continue to do water uh, water courses for them. Um, Las Vegas Valley Water District um, throughout Nevada, um, but it's been cool. it's been a really cool ride. Um, came out with the app. How does it work? What's that? Yeah,
0: I was gonna say, how does it work? What's the app? Right? That's that's right. so <laughs> you you created. You you said something about an audible book, like yeah. audible training.
1: Yeah. So um, so yeah. So through the classes, um, realized that math was everyone's kryptonite, mainly because we don't use it and yeah. everything's you know done. Um, automatically on computers and stuff these days. So, um, so I came out with yeah. an app. It's just a, a calculator, right? Carpenters have their own calculator. And so uh, yeah. I felt that water professionals needed their own as well. And so it's a free app. Um, it's got a bunch of different formulas, um, conversions, and uh, cool features to it that i um, never seen um, in our industry. Yeah. And, uh, and this year launched uh, the first revision to it, which is the Professional Auditory Learning. And um, we're all learning these days through ebooks books or uh, podcasts or uh, just different ways that are not so traditional, like sitting in front of a computer or reading a book. And so um, professional auditory learning is PAL. Um, uh, it is basically podcast for contact hours. And so through the state of California, we have to have at least a minimum one hour to count towards uh, continuing education uh, to renew those licenses that these operators are getting. And so after listening to a one-hour uh, podcast, um, the app will email a PDF certificate to the listener of their contact hour. So um, talking about infrastructure, talking about you know uh, water treatment or regulatory stuff, um, that's what we yeah. have in the app. And so it's, it's, uh, it's been taken off organically. I've sent out one email since April when it launched. Um, we have about 6,200 uh, subscribers of the app. And um, it's going pretty well. so.
0: That's fantastic, man. That's awesome.
1: Good job. Yeah. And then the other way we're training as well as uh, two years ago, or last year, um, we did the first uh, WaterWise Pro Maintenance and Construction Expo um, at Silver Lakes in Norco, California. And so, um, yeah, the first year we had 865 attendees. This year we had 905. So just slightly more. But we, yeah. uh, went, we did two days of training and incorporated hands-on training. So we actually, um, we used Harupa Community Services District because it's the neighboring agency. And yeah. um, so we used our district and we did some hands-on training there and, and actually excavated and ran a new service, water service and, and showed these uh, yeah, people, the attendees, some of the attendees that signed up for that workshop Um, how we do it and we talked about how they do it and uh, everyone talks about standards but no one talks about means and methods and um, we all have the same goals and in this uh this industry and the cool thing is you can't take my customers and i can't take your customers um so let's just share more information so um it's it's education and how to be better at our trades but it's also like hey let's network more let's talk about what's working what's not working um, it's that's really, I mean.
0: what, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's what we need in the industry. It's a lot more um, unification, I guess yeah. it's the best way to describe it. Mean, we all got to work together to get these um, jobs done um, yeah. when it comes to water and sewer. So, is, is your app available every state at, or just California?
1: It's uh, for the continuing education hours. Each each state is a little different. Um, Outside of California, uh, we have Association of Board Certification, which is run by Water Professionals uh, International, and they they're they're a big um, uh, supporter of Waterwise Pro. And actually going to a conference with them um, in a couple weeks in, uh, in Florida, and I'm I'm really trying to get them to buy in on this on the app and the idea of continuing education for. Uh, the rest of the United States, so, um, so yeah, so it's just a matter of time. Like I said, it just launched in launched in April, um, mainly in California, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, awesome. it's just a matter of time. So
0: awesome! Yeah, way to take initiative. Way to be an entrepreneur and start, uh, you know, taking the risk of starting something. Right? I, I mean, this could go nationally. I, I think it's important that we talk about Waterwise Pro and and get it out to different states because uh, as operators are driving in their cars, they all need uh, continuous education credits. This is a great way to get it, um, you know, and then have our, our, our trade shows where we have more um, education on just different technologies, services, products out there, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just a win-win solution that you have. It's great.
1: Continued we're all good as the people around us, right? So
0: yeah. if, you know,
1: we're all learning, we're all growing. Then um, it makes for, a better ending right so for sure for sure
0: man well okay. definitely thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this has been a great experience Stephen, and lots of insight on, on what you're doing in california and what your experience has been and you're making a big difference out there with uh, your education your experience and then water uh, wise pro it's it's awesome uh, cool. i'm excited to see where sure. this all goes in the next uh, next year
1: Right on, Chad. I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for the invite. Um, it's been a lot of fun talking about myself, I guess, <laughs> and infrastructure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe yeah, we can link up again and, uh, and uh, I can interview you or we can we can do one for uh, the WaterWise Pro podcast as well.
0: Certainly. Yeah. Let me know when when you want me uh, to, to chat with you. Um, how's a, What's a good way to get a hold of you? And then is it waterwisepro.com? Yeah, so it's
1: uh, waterwisepro.com. The app is WaterWise Pro. It's all one word. Um, WaterWise Pro is all one word on on all the platforms, Instagram, um, the website, and the app. So, um, yeah, anything you need in the water sector. Like I said, we didn't really touch too much on the wastewater side things. I'm new to the uh, wastewater collections industry, but uh, I'm learning pretty quickly. And um, if it can help out in any way, whether you're an operator or manager, uh, please reach out. And uh, we're all brothers and sisters by trade. So I'm here to help out, so.
0: Love it, Steven. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Chad. We'll yeah, talk soon. Sure, happy man. new year, by the way. Hey, happy new <laughs> year, man. See ya. <laughs> talk soon. All right. all right. Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15 minute interview with your host, at calendly.com slash Chad